It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on a soggy Monday here in the Midwest. I'm Scott Foster. Thank you so much for joining us. Jason Jorgensen's in here. Bob Brogan's in here. And Susan Littlefield will be telling us what we got coming up in the next couple hours. Susan, go ahead. Well, thanks, Scott. Here's what's happening on this rainy Monday from the farm team. Rebel will kick it all off here at 1219 as a high school student struggles with rural broadband and helping when it comes to being on the ranch. We'll get details from her. Then at 1245, Shaley steps in with the American Soybean Association's Wendy Brannon on Soy State's offer and hashtag Soy Help. And I'll wrap it up at 117 with Peter Orwick. He's the executive director of the American Sheep Industry Association as we look at lamb and wool purchases post-China and COVID. And to Jason and everybody else, may the fourth be with you. That's what's happening on the midday from the farm team. Did she steal that from you? Were you, were you getting prepared to say that? I'm so. Yeah. Fourth back to her. Okay, well, that was nice. And, and also to you, or <laughs> however that works, right? In the pantheon of NFL coaches, where do you put Don Shula? It's right at the top. Yeah. And the man has not coached a game in over 25 years, yet he still leads the NFL in all-time victories. Is that? I didn't realize that. Oh. Even as successful as Belichick has been, he still has a ways to go to catch Don Shula. But passed away this morning at the age of 90. Lived a long, great yeah. life. Five Super Bowl trips with the Dolphins. Also, people forget uh, he had success with the Colts, too, before That's that. right. You know, before he decided to move on to uh, Miami. But certainly you'll see a lot of remembrances of Don Shula today all over the place and well-deserved. Yeah. Uh, that 70, guy's one of the best. What was it, the 72 Dolphins yes. were undefeated? Yeah. So yeah. they always got together every year and celebrated. And unfortunately, there's less and less of those guys yeah. as time goes on. Right, right. Hmm. So we'll touch on that. Also, we'll talk some other NFL news. The uh, league says they are planning on things going ahead as planned with the first game on Thursday. September 10th, and the Super Bowl is set in Tampa on February 7th. So I'm sure a lot of that's hopeful thinking, wishful thinking, but let's hope they can get the NFL started when it's supposed to be. Well, and NASCAR is starting up, what, next week? Yeah, middle of next so week. they're going to so. give it a shot. No fans, but mm-hmm. so that's a test drive, I think, for a lot of folks. Also, uh, there's some golf that's planned coming oh. back. Skins game between oh. some of the uh, top guys, and they hope to play that down in Miami coming up on May 17th. That'll be a fundraiser. I don't believe there'll be any fans in attendance for that one. Okay. But you have, you have to start somewhere. You do. And, by the way, Space Jam with LeBron. Uh, this time, Space Jam 2 coming out. I'm sure that's going to be on your watch list. Uh, I'll miss that. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you might. I right. Michael Jordan doesn't watch it either. I bet he doesn't either. I bet he doesn't either. All right. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. Bob, uh, stock's down a little bit, a little wobbly, as you would say today. Wall Street uh, giving back a bit more of the uh, gains made during its best month and decades, and so uh, things are kind of deteriorating there. Meanwhile, airline stocks have had uh, some of the market's sharpest losses today. After Berkshire Hathaway's Warren Buffett said he's been dumping all of his shares in the four biggest U.S. carriers, so that's um, when he speaks, people listen, I guess. The owner of J. Crew is filing for bankruptcy protection, the first major retailer to do so since the pandemic forced the closing of most stores in the U.S., and that's what's breaking today. All right. Well, and probably I don't know what you're going to buy. You had all that J. Crew stuff before, Bob. I, just, I know. Oh, I know. Yeah. I got it. Three.
time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here. And, uh, you know, that rain last night, I think my grandpa used to call it a million-dollar rain. That was just a nice, for uh, for much of Nebraska anyway, a nice gentle rain right after planting. And yeah, Exactly, yeah. It was much needed. I don't think uh, too many people are going to be discouraged by getting some delays and getting back in the field if they still have to kind of catch up on the field work. But uh, and it was a much needed rain. A lot of people were needing some. Um, I talked to one producer down around the Henley area mm-hmm. where they got about an inch of rain. They had a lot of farmers breaking their planting equipment because the ground was so hard. Really? Uh, because of the dry conditions and uh, right along the Nebraska-Kansas border near the Henley area. So, I'll be darned. Well, so, so good. Soften up that ground just a little bit. A lot of locations getting anywhere from about three-quarters of an inch to an inch, at least an inch and a quarter of rain. Some heavy stuff, though, <laughs> over Kansas, and it still continues to occur, especially from Emporia, Kansas, to Topeka and Kansas City. Numerous severe thunderstorm warnings in that area. We do have a severe thunderstorm watch in effect for about the eastern third of Kansas from about Belleville and points to the south and east. That is until 3 o'clock this afternoon. I'm trying to count right now. I think I've got about 16 or 17, but isn't it interesting that how it was a gentle rain coming through here, and then it just got grouchy as it as it hit some warmer air. Yes, exactly. Uh, that area of low pressure over southwestern Kansas is a little stronger and uh, packing a little bit more of a punch, and yeah, I'm guessing warmer and a little more moisture to work with. But yeah, numerous severe thunderstorm warnings on the eastern side of the Nebraska, or on the eastern side of the Missouri-Kansas border in southwest Missouri, and this severe thunderstorm watch does extend all the way into southwest Missouri. But otherwise, the rain beginning to wrap up in much of Nebraska. We still have some more light rain that will be moving through this afternoon. Currently, the leading edge of that rain from about Lexington up to northwest of Broken Boat to Ord, and then it extends back to Thedford to North Platte to just near the Curtis area. Big gap in this rain coverage right now over central and south-central Nebraska into northern areas of Kansas. Even some sunshine being reported from about uh, Grand Island to Lincoln. That will be quickly filled in by some more clouds as this area of rain continues to move off towards east. Still, still a little bit of light rain left over. Temperatures for the most part across the area right now in the mid to upper 50s. Rain and some thunderstorms remain likely, especially in central and eastern areas. It's all thanks to some low pressure that stretches from southern South Dakota to southern Kansas, tracking to the east. On the backside of the slow this afternoon, we will see some clearing and some northwest winds becoming breezy from west central Nebraska to northwest Kansas. Then we'll see clearing skies for tonight and temperatures dropping to around 40 as high pressure builds in from the west. We'll stay dry for tomorrow and Wednesday. Sunshine with highs warming to slightly above normal. But more disturbances will slide to the southeast Wednesday night into Thursday night. Also on Saturday through Saturday night with some small chances of rain and thunderstorms with those end-of-the-week rain chances. In behind a strong cold front, we'll notice this uh, late week and weekend temperatures about 10 degrees cooler than usual. A hard freeze not likely right now, but there could be a couple of frosty mornings. In our long-term forecast, chances very good for below normal temperatures in Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the west. This weekend through early next week, now the Nebraska and Kansas temperatures predicted to be closer to seasonal to slightly cooler than normal by late next week through May 17th. Rainfall will be mostly below normal this weekend through the 17th for Nebraska and Kansas. Soil temperatures at 7 this morning and at the 4-inch depth, mostly in the mid to upper 50s in Nebraska and Kansas. 
In the Panhandle and most of north central to northeast Nebraska, the coolest soil temperatures were in the low 50s. So everybody with the least soil temperatures at plus 50 right now. Soil temperatures as warm as the low 60s over southwest and south central Kansas. Key weather factors impacting the markets include cool temperatures with rain in the central U.S. and consistent rain for wheat areas of the Black Sea region after last week's heavy rains. Corn and soybean planting delays continue in some areas east of the Mississippi River. As the week progresses, cool air will become firmly established from the plains to the east coast. Late week and weekend freezes can be expected across a broad area from the Dakotas into the Great Lakes and northeastern states, but the cold in the northern plains not expected to be damaging. Midwest conditions favorable for corn and soybean planting, emergence, and early development. Rain this week will interrupt some of the field work, but planting progress is running well ahead of average. Wheat in the southwestern plains will be further stressed this week as mainly dry weather continues through this next week. Very warm to hot weather with record heat also likely for today. Russia and Ukraine in the Black Sea region have a promising forecast for rain over the next seven days. Moderate to heavy rain will be very beneficial to their winter wheat and also closely watched. Okay, well, I guess we'll see uh, what the week brings, but uh, certainly we're socked in today. Exactly. If you're enjoying some sunshine right now, it's going to be very brief because more clouds are headed your way because the clouds currently stretching from the Nebraska Panhandle into southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas, but we are seeing those breaks in the clouds into northeast Colorado. That will be moving in overnight. Okay. All right. Very good. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. Current school closures and cancellations have forced many students to adjust their daily routines. For farm and ranch kids, it can be difficult to balance helping out in their operation and making time for schoolwork. Others struggle to find adequate internet connection and keeping up with their friends given the current circumstances. Riley Kessler, a senior at Mullen High School, has been tasked with all of the above and has been doing his best to stay on top of all of his commitments. Riley, tell us what a typical day looks like for you on the ranch and balancing your schoolwork. Um, honestly, a typical day, it starts out getting up, just kind of enjoying the morning, getting whatever schoolwork I can done, doing maybe a Zoom call every now and then, and then doing whatever mom and dad tell me to afterwards. That can either be feeding cows, rolling fence, fixing fence, etc. And it's when I come back in at night, got to do whatever I didn't get done for schoolwork. What would you say the biggest challenge you're facing during this pandemic is? Biggest thing would definitely be not being at the school to have help on stuff. It was really easy to just have internet connection there and not have to worry about the connection issue. But I mean, I am more of a one-on-one learning person. And so not having the teachers here to help was kind of a struggle at times or showing me how to use a site as as it would be for a lot of other kids. What are some things that you have to do to ensure that you are staying on top of your schoolwork? We started out driving to a hill every day because we didn't have Wi-Fi for almost three weeks after this whole thing started. And we drive up, it's 10 miles from our house, we drive up there, we'd have to sit there on top of the hill for about three hours doing homework. And then we tried getting a service booster at our house. And we had to pay 
roughly 500 bucks for that thing and it ended up not working and then we had to go through a different phone company to get our wi-fi router and it took us a week to get that set up as well so now that we got that set up it's not as hard but then we had to catch up on all the work that we had missed from that point and so trying to make up that and then staying on top of the stuff that we were being assigned was a little difficult. You clearly have agricultural roots living on a ranch in the Sand Hills. What has it been like to get to immerse yourself in that even more now that you aren't attending school every day? Mom and dad, we don't have a very big ranch. It's like 200, 250 cows, but we still have to do quite a bit of work around here and there's always work to be done on a ranch so whether they send me out to go roll up fence with my brother or if we got to go fix a well or fix fence we're always doing something and so trying to get that stuff done and help mom and dad before I leave and still trying to get my school work done that's been a problem but I we still get our stuff done it's just Mom and dad need help before everything at school can be done. Once again, I'm visiting with Riley Kessler, a senior from Mullen High School, about balancing schoolwork and life on the ranch during this historic time. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Rebel Saklocha on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks. Well, Don Shula, the NFL's winningest coach, led the Dolphins to the league's only undefeated season. Passed away this morning at the age of 90. The Dolphins issued a statement saying that he died peacefully at his home. Shula won an NFL record 347 games, including playoff victories. He coached the Dolphins to the league's only undefeated season when they went 17-0 in 1972, culminating with their 14-7 win over the Redskins in Super Bowl VII. In all, Shula guided the Dolphins to five Super Bowls. The NFL isn't planning on adjusting its 2020 schedule. With its schedule set for release later next week, NFL spokesman Brian McCarthy said that the regular season is expected to start as planned on September 10th with the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay set for February 7th. Another NFL news, the Broncos have declined the fifth-year contract option on left tackle Garrett Bowles. Now, the Broncos didn't take a tackle in the NFL draft, but general manager John Elway says the job of protecting quarterback Drew Locke is very much open. Elway says Bowles will have to beat out Elijah Wilkinson to keep that starting job. Bowles has been somewhat of a disappointment after the Broncos made him a first-round draft pick out of Utah. Nebraska women's basketball coach Amy Williams has announced the addition of Ashley Scoggin to the Nebraska roster. Scoggin comes to NU with the potential of playing three years after an outstanding redshirt freshman season at Salt Lake Community College. Last year, she averaged 10 points and five rebounds per game as her team went 20-7. and And Kansas and Missouri are resuming their football rivalry after the former Big 12 foes agreed to a four-game series in which each school will play two home games. That'll start in September of 2025. Fourth longest rivalry in college football dates all the way back to 1891, but it's been on hiatus since Missouri departed for the SEC. The schools recently also announced a six game series of men's basketball beginning with the upcoming season, which includes two games on each campus and two in Kansas City.
And Roy McIlroy and Dustin Johnson headline a $3 million charity match on May 17th that marks the return of televised golf. They will be partners against Ricky Fowler and Matthew Wolf in a skins match called the TaylorMade Driving Relief. The match will be played at Seminole Golf Club in Juno Beach, Florida. It'll be the club's first ever event shown on TV. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. A multi-vehicle pileup early this morning between Big Springs and Ogallala closed Interstate 80. There were no serious injuries. The Nebraska State Patrol credited the Nebraska Department of Transportation for helping clear Interstate 80 and make it possible to reopen the lanes. More than half of the country has filled out a census form. Nebraska is among the leading states for its response rate. Correspondent Pat Piper has the numbers. The Census Bureau reports 55.6% of households have filled out the once-in-a-decade survey of U.S. population. That's 82,200,000 homes, more than 46% doing so online. Minnesota has the top rate of response with 66.2%, followed by Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, and Michigan. Alaska has the lowest response at 36.8%. Because of the coronavirus, the census deadline is now October 31st. A number of fire departments converged on a farmstead in southwest Gosper County on Friday afternoon, where a small shed fire led to the burning of a large shop building. The Holbrook-Edison-Arapo Rural Fire District was paged around 4.30 p.m. on Friday to a location eight miles north of Holbrook. Cambridge, Elwood, and Oxford assisted, according to Holbrook Fire Chief Wes Hoke. You know, we really didn't expect to be working a structure fire that day. So, and of course, you know, the heat and we had some wind to deal with. So it it was a little bit of a challenge and and we're just short on volunteers. So we're always looking for help. No cause was immediately determined. The building contains shop equipment, tools, and vehicles. Hoke says they rotated crews on the hose lines due to heat. Area producers assisted with water supply from their irrigation wells. Nebraska has many young drivers still looking to learn the proper driving protocols. Aaron Howard, Nebraska Safety Center's transportation safety manager, adds what the new look COVID-19 course preparation entails. Those include engaging exercise to help them learn and retain the information, training videos, crash cam footage, driving simulations, interactive memory exercises, and quizzes of the rules of the road. In addition, the student will have six months to complete and pass the online classroom portion. And then once it's completed on the online portion, and COVID-19 allows for us to allow students to then start the behind-the-wheel driving time. Driver education is open to youth ages 14 and older. The driver education program costs $330 per student with payment plans available. Registration is available at unk.edu slash dred. For more news anytime, go to krvn.com. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. American Soybean Association, United Soybean Board, Soy States are offering help to overcome farm stress. I'm Shaley Peters. Joining you now on the Rural Radio Network, our guest today to visit about this 
is Wendy Brainin. She is ASA's Senior Director of Marketing and Communications and then also part of a C-19 task force that they've put together. Wendy, we're going to talk about uh, what exactly you guys have put together um, and why. The why might seem a little bit obvious, but there's been a lot of work that's gone into this. So let's just first have you tell us more about what exactly it is that you have come up with and maybe a little bit of background behind it. So, Shaylee, this is actually an initiative that's coming out of that COVID-19 task force that you just mentioned. Back in March, when all of this with the pandemic started to pick up, we felt the need to form a task force for ASA and really examine what's going on out in the farm communities. And one of the things that we did was we issued a survey. Uh, We were fortunate to have United Soybean Board and U.S. Soybean Export Council also participate in that survey along with the ASA board members. And we had about 86 respondents and it was really just the the prevalence of stress was overwhelming when we read the responses. We would certainly expect people to say, yes, this is a stressful time, but the words fear, the words anxiety, uh, even stating concerns for mental health were brought up repeatedly. In fact, dozens of times. So we felt like we needed to step in and do something in response to that. As a policy organization, it's not always easy for ASA to jump into issues with emotional health and well-being. But that survey really let us know this is a clear sign that we have to get involved and get engaged on this issue. And when you talk about these resources, Wendy, maybe go into a little bit more of what exactly they are, what they look like for producers who may be needing them. Sure. So, again, coming out of the survey and that prevalence of stress, we felt a need to get involved. The first thing we do when we need to get involved is we look to our state affiliates and how we can involve them in any engagement opportunities. So we had a call with the states, and they were all very on board with doing some sort of joint outreach. So that outreach is in the form of editorials from people who have experienced levels of stress. It's social media. It's newsletter content. Any place that we can really think to drop anything relevant to mental health, And that can be any array. It can be someone who's just having temporary stress. It can be someone who has ongoing anxiety. It can be someone who um, is really maybe thinking thoughts of suicide. And, And it can get very serious in a hurry. So we wanted to just make sure that we are sharing materials out there that could help anyone with any of those needs from just temporary stress on up to those more serious levels. Let's talk also about the efforts being made. Of course, these resources are available. You guys, again, have done a lot of work to come up with several different um, avenues for our producers. But let's talk about the social media aspect of this, because uh, as you and I talked about ahead of time, social media is a great platform to really get your message out there and so talk just a little bit more about that effort and where people can find these resources so we started researching options for people to seek help and we wound up with 26 pages of very relevant state resources and about seven pages of national resources for that array of emotional issues as i mentioned ranging from just 
temporary stress perhaps out of the COVID-19 pandemic on up through more serious or more long-term matters. And there are so many options available, whether that's someone who is having financial concerns and they need some direction on, on finance help, or if it's someone who's a beginning farmer who just feels the stress of all of this right now and why did I get into farming at this very moment with all of this going on? Or it can be, you know, a veteran farmer who's been doing this for years and they just feel like, you know, we've had problems with China, we've had problems with weather, now we're having problems from COVID-19 and it's just escalating and compounding. So in all of those resources, there are options for all of those people. It doesn't matter if they're male, they're female, it's a farm family who is seeking a way to help a loved one or a friend or a neighbor who's really in need at this time. So we collected all of those resources and boiled those down to essential um, places that people can seek any level of help. And we'll be sharing those out, particularly on social media. So. Over the next month, we'd like to really encourage people. It's easy to go to soygrowers.com. That's our website and find our social media handles and really look for those and share them and get involved and help us with amplifying this issue. I had someone ask this morning why it's important for us to do press on this. And I said, well, here's the thing. Programs like this don't go anywhere if they're not amplified. So we need people to actually look for these resources that we're going to put out on social media, that we're going to put out in our newsletters, and help us share those along. Because it may not be you who needs to help, but you could get this to someone who could then in, in turn share it and get it to the right person who needs help. And I know it always sounds trite when you say it, but with a program like this, it's all about the one. We don't need numbers. We don't need proof. We just need to know that we're putting out resources that could help that one person who needed that help. Okay, thank you, Wendy. Wendy Brainin, our guest again today. She is ASA's Senior Director of Marketing and Communications and a part of their C-19 Task Force. And you can find more information about this effort being made by ASA and USB and the resources available at RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Wall Street this morning was giving back a bit more of the gargantuan gains made during its best month in decades. The Dow's 30 industrials were down at last check. The Nasdaq Composite up a little bit and the S&P 500 down. Airline stocks have had some of the market's sharpest losses today after Berkshire Hathaway's Warren Buffett said he dumped all his shares in the four biggest U.S. carriers. Berkshire Hathaway disclosed that it sold all its stakes in American Airlines Group, Delta Airlines, Southwest Airlines, and United Airlines. Buffett is one of the stock market's most famous bargain hunters, and investors around the world hang on every clue he gives about investing. The owner of filing for bankruptcy protection, the first major retailer to do so since the pandemic forced the closing of most stores in the United States. More retail bankruptcies are expected in coming weeks, with the doors of thousands of stores still locked. March sales at stores and restaurants had their most severe plunge on records dating back to 1992. Clothing sales fell more than 50% that month, and it has grown worse. J. Crew says it anticipates stores will reopen when it's safe to do so. 
Faced with 20,000 coronavirus deaths, the nation's nursing homes are pushing to get states to grant them emergency protection from lawsuits alleging inadequate care. At least 15 states have enacted measures providing nursing homes some protection from lawsuits arising from the crisis. Millions of dollars in federal relief payments are flowing into taxpayers' bank accounts via direct deposit, but Americans without bank accounts will have to wait weeks more to receive paper checks. Many of them are among the nation's poorest families. And of course, say this is an opportunity to get so-called unbanked Americans into the formal financial system. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Good. The Nebraska Cattlemen wrapping up their four-part series of the Black Swan event. It will take place this Thursday, May 7th at 7 o'clock Central Time. It will discuss meat industry merchandisers. What leverage do they have? To register for the webinar, please go to NebraskaCattlemen.org. Don't worry, if you can't sit down to watch the webinar, you can tune in live starting at 7 o'clock, May 7th, listening to it live right here on KRVN. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. With market closures and COVID-19, it's made it difficult when it comes to finding buyers, not only for American lamb, but American wool. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Peter Oreck, who is executive director of the American Sheep Industry Association, said they didn't let that slow them down as they continue to find the buyers. Absolutely. We we were, uh, you know, when uh, when the trade deals went through in the early, early 90s, um, it just set in motion that the domestic textile, and that, that was really for cotton synthetics as well as wool, uh, it, 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 by, the, by the end of the 90s, the equipment and uh, and the and the technology had moved uh, off of American shores, first to Mexico, then to China. So we really had to switch hard uh, to sell internationally. Before before uh, the early '90s, we could sell the the entire clip uh, in the United States and get processed. So we got that built into a successful model. Um, but now with the, with that 25% tariff and the strength of the U.S. dollar, very tough to export. Um, and on the lamb side, we, we do well in Mexico. We do well in Canada uh, and, and into the Caribbean. But it's very tough with our dollar to, to try to make up the difference uh, for lamb or bull um, in the standard export markets uh, that most people move into. So where do we go from here? The uh, the assistance uh, that we're working on with the Department of Agriculture to this point, it really is about money. I think we're looking at at uh, at 
funds available for direct payments uh, for for uh, commodity purchases for the food banks um, very helpful and much needed um, and uh, but it's 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 more in the survival mode it's not in the make you whole and profitable mode um, um, I think I think we get these uh, assistance payments and the commodity purchases out the door in the coming weeks that'll help and then I think we probably just need to stay very engaged with our congressional delegations on behalf of the sheep industry um, to continue that effort because I think it's going to take more funds uh, to get to the other side of this situation um, you know when demand people are winter that if they have to get back into the office uh, before they're probably going to start looking at buying textile or clothes. Uh, if you're stuck at home, there's probably not a lot of new clothes getting bought. You're, uh, you're stuck at home. You're not eating at restaurants. How long is it going to take and how gradual is it going to take to refill the freezers and the coolers and, and the pantries in those restaurants as well as uh, retail? Uh, you know, when, when are people going to get back in the mode of, uh, uh, you know, if they're unemployed, they're probably not buying textiles. If they're uh, concerned about their business, they're probably not buying textiles. So, you know, it's it's going to it's going to take a while to get this done, and we're going to probably have to be looking beyond just USDA assistance, although that's very critical. One of the things that was pointed out in the conversation is right now you have particularly feeders with hundreds of thousands of lambs in the feedlot. They didn't get processed for Easter, and now they're in a situation with one of our plants has been closed for four weeks, um, so they haven't processed. Another one's on reduced uh, hours. Um, you know, it's going to take a while to move through it, so that's what we're telling the Department of Agriculture. We are looking at this for the entire 2020 lamb crop. My conversation with Peter Orwick. I'm Susan Littlefield, the World Radio Network. Radio Network talking now with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst of Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. John, wheat, really the ones that are able to stand up on their own today, despite the fact some global weather conditions coming in. Is U.S. concerns about these wheat heading out in parts of Texas, Oklahoma and stuff over overshadowing those global weather concerns? Yes, you've heard about that too. I think that's, um, you know, the market was so preoccupied with Russia, and I think it still will be. But it's got to—you got to remember here, especially on the on the KC market, it's going to be a lot more domestic. And you know, the, the freeze we got two or three weeks ago, there wasn't a whole lot of fanfare going into that. But it sounds like it really took a toll on folks. And um, you know, now whether it'll be uh, whether or not we can finish this thing out, um, you know, it, that's a little more uncertain now. If you're growing KC wheat, this is a challenge. This is the challenge. The challenge is sell it. If we all grow it, at least to the point where we think we will, you know, prices probably are back at these levels or lower. If we don't, you know, we're seeing five fifty six dollars on that Chicago contract with maybe put that KC up closer to five thirty five forty. At this point, where markets want to run, um, I know the fundamentals stink on corn. I'm very well aware of that. But it's really dry in Brazil. We're starting to talk about write downs on the on the crop again. And you know, when you start looking at at you know price action relative to where we are, I think it's well baked in as far as you know the story. So, you know, my thinking is we're going to chop around here on corn for the next say you know seven days, and then the WASDE comes. We get that bad news that everybody's been scared of, and then possibly make a low, and probably really rally. Um, you know, with summer weather on the horizon. 
I'm assuming something is going to break, meaning from some from weather. Um, I don't know what it'll be at this point, but you know that that always seems to be the case as we get into June. Just briefly, we did finally get out the USDA export inspections for last week. One of those corn back over a million metric tons. Does this look to help that market, or was it a little too late on getting that information out today? It's good. It's going to support the board, but we're not going to export our way out of this problem. We've got to figure out a way to pick up domestic use, whether it be extra feed or have the uh, you know have the, the ethanol plants come back online. I do think it's important to realize, like, the gasoline price is rallying, the margin is going red, green, and then price, corn price is moving. I don't think it's going to operate like that. I think the market's going to go before before you know it. Meaning the market will will move. It'll price in the reopen. It'll price in the additional driving, and then it'll be a challenge. I think at that point, and that's where I think a lot of buy the room sell the factory. You have to be ready for. Um, and right now, I think we're just completely on the other outside of the foot, at least in, in corn and beans. Wheat, obviously, there's a story there that people have been buying into at this point. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, train futures and options evolve risk of loss. And that will do it for today's midday program here on KRVN. If you miss anything or want to go back and relive any of the segments and interviews we had today, Go to podcast at krvn.com or subscribe on Spotify or iTunes. Our midday podcast is sponsored by Deveni Motor. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Deveni Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DeveniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Deveni deal.